Are you afraid of success? It seems like an odd question, but we often scare ourselves away from success all the time. Today on the podcast, I'm sharing my top five success fears and how I bravely confront them, or at least how I pretend to bravely confront them. Ready, set, boo. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Successfulish and happy October. Uh, welcome to our final season of the year, season nine. Uh, we are almost in double digits. I cannot believe it. Successfulish turns two this October, officially two years old. And it's just crazy to me to see how it's evolved and how it stayed the same. And I am just so thankful for all of the listeners. Um, thank you for not just for listening, but for joining the conversation. I have just genuinely loved chatting with you. I know many of you have actually been guests on the podcast and many of you send me messages and emails and the conversations over the last couple of years have just so greatly enriched my life and helped change the way that I view success. I hope that it's done the same for you. It's just been such great conversation. So thank you for hanging with me the last couple of years and for pushing for success together with me. And I I'm really excited about this conversation because I think it's an important one, and I think that I would love to have more guests on the show digging deeper into these types of topics, uh, in particularly to success fears, because I think that fear around success is something that we all experience, but for whatever reason, we want to kind of put on this brave face and pretend like we don't. And I don't know if it's because we think that people will make fun of us or because we're the only person with these fears. And I'm just going to put myself out there and say that I have a lot of fears around success. And I don't think that I'm the only person. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of fear around success. And so maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you have different fears. But I think in some regard, all of us have fears because I think that we we have believed this lie that everyone else in the world knows what they're doing and we don't. And the reality is that nobody knows what they're doing. And I think that once we understand that, that's really where the magic sits of realizing that every single one of us is just trying to figure out life the best we can. We've all been given access to different amounts of data, different perspectives, and it's really through conversation and communication and being able to say, this is what I know from my experience and listening to others who are sharing what they know from their experience, it's those conversations that are really making us more successful, that are flushing out that worldview. And I think those are the conversations that we need to have more of. That's the whole point of this podcast is having those conversations. So I wanted to talk about success fears, and uh, I know it's a little cliche, but we are in October, and so I wanted to focus this month a little bit on fears and anxieties and the Halloween-y things of life. 
Um, and I thought that it was appropriate that as I was getting set up and typing up my notes for today, a spider crawled like a millimeter away from my hand as I was typing. And um, I'm glad that I didn't have the microphone turned on at that point because you would have had a loud scream in your ear. Uh, I do not like spiders. I don't know about you. And I don't even know that it's a fear of spiders per se. I think it's an annoyance of spiders. I feel like I can't even look at nature without getting bug bites. I don't know if it's just because I'm so sweet or because I'm so salty. Uh, whatever it is, I feel like nature is just attracted to me and I get bitten all the time. So that is my fear around spiders and bugs of any kind. But I digress. Uh, I want to talk about the fear of success. And I think that this breaks into two categories. I think it's firstly the fear of pursuing success or the fears that keep us from even trying. And then I think there's a fear of actually obtaining success. And I think a lot of times that's actually what keeps us from trying. It's not that we are afraid of failure. It's that we're afraid of what happens if we're successful. And I think that sometimes it's a little bit of both combined. So I'm going to share some of my, when I thought about it, the top five fears that I feel like I wrestle with and what that looks like for me and how I work through those. So the first fear that I think I have that keeps me from pursuing success is the fear of what if I can't do it? And that I think is a big anxiety. I can speculate that it goes back to childhood, uh, maybe not having enough people believe in me, maybe having a lot of people criticize the things that I did try. I think we all have an element of that. I also think, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, I think a lot of it has to do just with me being a woman. I think that particularly in this culture, a lot of boys are raised with boys will be boys, and it's just expected that they will end up in the ER, the ER, they'll break bones, they'll try things, and they don't really get reprimanded for it because it's just expected that boys are going to be boys. They're going to make mistakes, whereas... With girls, I don't think that we're often told as kids, go try it, go learn it, go, you know, see what happens. I think a lot of times we're told, be careful, be cautious, you know, we're, we're taught to ask a lot of questions, we're taught to be on guard, we're taught to... um to be a lot more cautious and whether that's as a kid of being careful on the playground and, you know, and those types of things, or even as an adult, I think that when it comes to things like dating or relationships, we're taught to be careful. We're taught to, you know, do some intense Googling and really make sure we know a lot of information and have our pepper spray and know our self-defense. And I don't think that guys really ever have that conversation. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe some do. Um, in my experience, I feel like that's mostly for women. I feel like we are raised in a culture that puts a lot more fear and not just fears, but responsibility for those fears. I feel like, I feel like it, it's not just about the world is a big, scary place. It's almost like there's this blame where if we get hurt, if we mess up, then it's also on us because we weren't careful and we should have been more cautious. We should have asked more questions. We should have known better. You know, we, we shouldn't have tried to fly from one monkey bar to the next. We shouldn't have gone out on a date with someone we didn't know very well. So I think there's a lot of that 
tied up in that. And I think for me, a lot of times the what if I can't do it also gets wrapped up in some self-sabotage because it's easier for me to accept that I failed at something or that I didn't achieve something if I didn't really try. And I think the first time this conversation came up for me was in high school. I have always struggled with math. That has never been my subject. I am just such more of a words person. I am all about the English and the history and the culture and all of that. And I just really struggled with math. And in high school, particularly, I just was having a really hard time. I I was having a really difficult time in the family that I was in and some of the dynamics, some of the pressures. And I was failing pre-calculus. And I ended up failing that class once. My parents made me take it again, and I failed it a second time. And failure was really not an option in my home. I know that I've joked before that A was not for awesome. A was for acceptable. It was just sort of expected. You get A's. If you get B's, that's not great. I mean, we'll tolerate it, but it's not great. And anything lower, that's just not acceptable. And so failing in a class twice was a really big deal. And I remember a conversation with my dad where he was kind of trying to, I don't know, lecture me, but also encourage me and really get to the heart of why I wasn't doing better at math. And I had reached a point where I was no longer proactively working with a tutor. I was no longer studying. I wasn't doing the work that I knew it took to be good at math because I had already started doing a lot of the work. I'd already worked with a tutor. I'd already studied my butt off. I genuinely wanted to understand it and get an A. I, that wasn't just a parent-driven pressure. That was also an internal, I wanted to be good. I wanted to do a good job. And I remember in that conversation, realizing that a lot of why I had stopped trying was because if I failed pre-calculus a second time, which I was pretty sure was going to happen, if I failed it a second time and I could say that I gave up and I didn't really try, then it it was easier for me to accept than if I had to admit to myself and to others that I genuinely couldn't do it, that I had studied my ass off, that I had worked with every tutor, that I had given up any semblance of a social life because I was trying so hard to get this subject and I still failed because that meant that I was a failure. And I think that that reality keeps us a lot from pursuing success. I think I see it a lot in entrepreneurship with business owners who are afraid that what if I put everything into this? What if I put my life savings into this business? What if I invest all my time and energy and everybody's watching me and it fails? Then I will really look like a failure. And that fear can self-sabotage us and keep us from ever actually trying because if we fail without fully trying, we kind of have a cop-out. We have an excuse. But if we fail after putting our whole selves into it, we feel like a failure. And that's a really difficult thing, uh, I think, to move around. I think that it's really scary to think that we could not achieve something or that we could fail after putting 100% effort in. But I think also we need to rethink the way that we're looking at success and failure. And I think that if we look at some of the most successful people, 
Um, Walt Disney is one of my favorite failures. He just failed tremendously at so many different things. And even when he had successes, uh, he had all these Mickey Mouse cartoons. I forget how many he had, um, several dozens, if not hundreds of these cartoons that were well-received. Um, everybody liked them. Everybody enjoyed them, but the company had no money. They were losing money. He didn't actually start making money and become a profitable company until after Snow White. And that was a huge risk. And to think about it, and now, you know, we look back and because we know he was successful, we kind of view it as like, good for him. He stuck to his guns. What a success story. But imagine if you were there in the moment and this is a friend or a family member or maybe even yourself. And after trying something, running after this idea and failing wildly, for years, for losing money year after year, for getting criticized year after year, for having hundreds, if not thousands of people say, I don't get it. You know, you try to open the theme park and it fails and you try to run a business and it fails and you're going bankrupt and you're homeless and you keep doing it. In that moment, I don't think that any of us would look at that person and say, wow, I really admire your passion and tenacity. I think we would look at that person and say, are you freaking crazy? Stop. You're obviously, this, this is not working. You've seen how many hundreds of times that this isn't working. Stop. And it's the people who keep going, who know in their gut that they will figure it out, that they're going to learn from each mistake those are the people who really end up becoming the big successes. And I say this with the caveat that discernment is really important. I am not saying that every single person with every single wild idea should go bankrupt and be homeless and just keep running after something. Sometimes failure is a way of saying, oh, tried it. It didn't work. And we need to be able to recognize that. But I also think that part of the long play success is getting better at that discernment and learning maybe to not hold on to our specific plan so tightly, but to be open to the heart behind the vision and what that can become. And that's something that I think I've had to really wrestle with, um, especially as I've tried to grow a business and I've tried to do all these different things in my life, often the success I have came from the failed efforts. And it doesn't look exactly the same. It's not like I'm doing the exact same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. But the success that I have comes from the learning lessons and kind of iterating what I'm doing and coming up with, with bigger and better ways to do it. And so I think that that fear, what if I can't do it? I think we need to firstly really evaluate what we're afraid of. And I think that we need to rethink how we're looking at success. And I think we need to ask the question, what if I can do it? Because I think for any time we play the what if game, we need to recognize that none of us has a crystal ball into the future. None of us really knows what if. And I know different people have different views on the whole fortune telling thing. I just don't think that anyone can ever 100% fully know what is happening in the future. Um, I think that we need to what if on the other side. I think if we're going to explore what if I can't do it, we also need to explore what if I can. The next big fear is what if I'm not good enough? 
And I think that that comes out of that fear of what if I can't do it? And I think that the initial fear, going back to my my math story, what if I can't do it? I think that that digs deeper into, okay, what if it's not just that I can't do it? What if it's that I'm not good enough? What if it's not just I can't do precalculus? What if it's I'm stupid? And that's a much deeper fear. So I think that it's important to look at really where the root of these fears are coming from. And I think that another part of that asking what if I'm not good enough is that question we sort of ask in our heads of what if everyone else is better or knows something that I don't know? I think that a lot of times the anxiety that someone else will know something, someone else will um think that we're stupid because we don't know something that they don't know. I think that that can keep us from speaking up in a room. I think I think of early on in my career how many different uh, office meetings, work meetings I was in where I would not ask questions because I didn't want people to think I was stupid and I wouldn't contribute ideas because I didn't want th- people to think that I was stupid. And I think that I had this idea in my head, well, I'm young, I'm fresh out of college, everyone else has more experience, everyone else is smarter, and it's not necessarily the case. It's very possible that everyone in the room is smarter than you in some way or another, but it's just as likely that you're smarter than them in some way or the other. I think that, again, going back to just rethinking the human experience and realizing that we're all just figuring it out. And some of us have more access to information than others, but nobody has everything figured out. I think that that can make a world of difference. And I think that if we can acknowledge and make inner peace with realizing that we're good enough as is, the idea of success is not to negate our current identity as a failure It's just to keep adding successes to the plate. And I think that once we can acknowledge, I am enough, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I am inherently valuable just in being who I am as a human, but I want to continually grow and push myself and become the best version of that. That's a very different way of looking at things than looking at it from, well, I'm a nothing, I'm a failure unless I achieve something. So I think that we need to reframe the way that we're looking at that. I think another fear that keeps me from pursuing success sometimes is the fear of being alone. And this is a tough one because I know we've talked about this on the podcast before of the the lobsters um, where when they try to escape out of the net, if one tries to escape, every other lobster will try to pull that one back down. And I think that that's so prevalent in society. We tend to be in circles that are as healthy as we are. And so what happens if we are in an unhealthy circle, if we're in a circle of twos and we really want to up level and get to a four, a lot of times that's really challenging because either the twos are holding us back and maybe they are resentful that we're trying to leave them behind or maybe they are... um, Maybe they don't want to acknowledge that they're operating at a two, and by you moving to a four, it forces them to look in that mirror. I think sometimes it's the other way where we feel bad about trying to move to a four because we're like, well, we love the twos. We don't want to abandon them. But the reality is that not everyone is ready. Not everyone is ready to get healthier or to move forward. And 
I know there's been many times in my life where I've turned down opportunities to pursue success because someone in my life wasn't comfortable with it, whether it was a family member or my former spouse or friends or coworkers. And I think that that's a very real anxiety. I think that as humans, we're we're naturally wired to want connection. We're wired to want to be accepted by the tribe. And the thought of not being a part of it is really scary. And I think one example of that that comes up for me is in the world of dating. So when I started trying to date in my 30s, And I was living in sort of remote, middle of nowhere, Connecticut. I decided to try online dating because it felt like that was the only way you could meet people. And I just realized pretty early on that I wasn't happy with it. I didn't like the types of people that I was meeting. I didn't like how modern dating was set up. It didn't feel like dating to me. It just felt like loneliness and horniness and depression. I felt like I was just meeting person after person who was just swiping through anyone. And it never really felt like I was meeting people who wanted to get to know me, wanted to intentionally have a relationship with me. It felt really lazy. It felt like um, people just wanted company, but without any kind of effort. And it was a challenge because I knew that that's not what I wanted, but I also knew that if I let that go, I was going to be alone. I was living in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut, and there wasn't really a lot of better ways to meet people. And I think that that fear of being alone kept me in the online dating circuit much longer than I wanted to be there because I felt like, well, at least here I'm meeting people. At least I'm I'm in a culture of people. And I think that it It takes a lot of effort to get to a point where you realize that no company is better than bad company. And I think that it takes a lot to be okay with being alone. And I know that everyone has different degrees of autonomy and need for that. I think that COVID really showed what long-term isolation can do to people. And I would say that I'm somewhere in the middle of the spectrum. I think that there are people um, who are much better at being alone than I am. I think there's people who are much more autonomous and can really be totally fine with a lot more alone time. I also think that there's a lot of people who maybe have some codependency issues or who are very social and need to be connected all the time. I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. I would say that I have a need for human connection, but I also have a need to be left alone. And so I think that's an important thing to know about ourselves, whether it's in the relationship context or just any aspect of our life, to really be aware of how much autonomy that we need and how much relationship we need. But I think when it comes to the fear of being alone, I think it's important to really think about what we really want. And what I had to realize was that, yes, I'm going to have to be alone for a season, but if I stay here, I'm never going to be happy because I know that what I'm surrounded with isn't doing it for me. I know that what I'm surrounded with is not what I want. I I need to be somewhere else. And the only way to get there is for me to leave this group behind, wander the wilderness a little by myself, and develop the skills and the networking and the relationships and do the hard work to get myself to the tables that I need to be at to have the types of relationships that I want to have. 
And I think that this is relevant, again, not just in relationships, but whether it is working our way up in our businesses, in our careers, in our hobbies. I think that that place of moving from level one to level 10, it's a big jump. And a lot of times there's this sort of awkward growing pain in the middle where we have to decide, are we going to be the smartest person or the best person in this room that is comfortable because we're used to it, but it's not really doing anything for us? Or are we going to let go and take that leap of faith and then also deal with the anxiety of being the dumbest or the weakest person in the next room up? Because sometimes there is actually quite a big gap between the two. And for me, that was just a really big fear that kept me from that kept me from being successful, whether it was in relationships, whether it was in my career. Um, this idea of what if I'm alone? What if when I succeed at this or what if I pursue this and everybody leaves me or everybody hates me or people don't want to come with me as I'm pursuing this? And I think that it's really important to then go back to our definition of success and say, okay, what ultimately is making me happier and healthier? Is it the sacrifice that this relationship or this these people that I'm with are really important. And so therefore I'm going to turn down this success opportunity because this relationship is more important. Or is it realizing, you know what, this relationship isn't ultimately what makes me happy. It's not the healthiest. I need to pursue this success. So I think that we really need to get to a place where we can be comfortable in between the levels. I think we need to learn to be comfortable being alone, to recognize that sometimes no company is better than bad company, and to know that it's for a season. I think we need to be fiercely passionate about finding new rooms. And that's something that was incredibly challenging for me. I'm a very introverted person. I, it's not natural or comfortable for me to meet new people or to put myself in new situations. And I think as I was going through some really serious growing pains, particularly right after I was going through this transition of really um, – being newly single and reevaluating relationship views and building up a business and a career, there was a lot of growth, a lot of involvement at a very rapid pace. And it almost felt impossible to form a friend group because I was just moving so quickly and evolving so quickly. I kept changing. And I think that we need to have those growth seasons and I think it's also important to recognize and to acknowledge that not every relationship needs to be the relationship forever. It's okay to sort of take a step back and have more tangential relationships in our life. Um, and then I think connected to this idea of relationships, now that we've talked a little bit about the fears that keep us from pursuing success, I think that a lot of it is the fear of obtaining success as well. And I think that a lot of times when we think that we have a fear of failure, it's really a fear of people seeing us fail. I think that the next really big fear is what will people think? What if I fuck up publicly? 
this is an anxiety that keeps me up at night because if I am playing small and I try something and it doesn't go well, then I don't know, maybe my mom's disappointed in me and what else is new? And, you know, maybe five people see me fail at something and it's not that big of a deal. But what if I build my way up to success and I am in a place of having a huge platform and I fail and millions of people see me? That to me is really scary. And I think that one person um, that comes to mind with that, there was an author who became a very quickly successful author. She had this massive following. She just really took the business world and the personal development world by storm. And almost in I, less than a year, she almost completely destroyed her career because she just had one after another personal events in her life, comments that she made on social media, and she lost her entire following or at least a very big chunk of it. And to me, that was terrifying because I remember going through a divorce and going through growing pains and changing my mind about things because I was learning new data. And that was really challenging. And the thought of having to go through something like that with millions of eyeballs watching me, I, to me, that's terrifying. Like those are the things that keep me up at night. And, you know, when I think about wanting to be the best I can be, whether it's as a business owner or in my career or um, in a relationship, just with whatever I'm pursuing in life, the anxiety that more success comes with more eyeballs, for one, I think largely prevents me from wanting to pursue success. And I think that the the fear of what other people will think or the fear of failing publicly is much greater than the fear of actually failing. I think that for many of us, if we tried something and failed, it wouldn't actually that be that big of a deal, but the shame of other people seeing it, that's what really gets us. And I think recognizing that, I think that goes to the earlier point of really being mindful about what rooms we're in and finding rooms of people who would not cheer for us to fail. I think that there are so many people in the world who literally cheer for failure because they I don't, they have their own demons they're fighting. They have no lives and they have too much time to scroll through social media and poop all over people who are trying. And I love Brene Brown. She talks about um, Teddy Roosevelt and just this idea that if you're not actually in the arena getting the shit kicked out of you next to me, I don't care about your opinion. You, you don't have the right to weigh in. And I think that that takes a lot of just personal um, meditation and groundedness to get to a point where we we start to realize that criticism can only hurt us as much as we let it. And this is not a sticks and stones kind of a thing because I do absolutely think that words hurt. I think that words give and take life away from people. Um, but I also think that we need to be really protective over who we allow to have that kind of weight in our lives. And I think that when it comes to criticism, I 
I grew up in criticism. I'm fluent in criticism. Uh, that is just the world that I grew up in was everything I did was wrong. Everything I did was terrible. And I think that in some ways it served me well because it gave me a thick skin, but in other ways it set me up to be kind of of this mindset that I should just take criticism from everyone. I should value everyone's opinion. And the reality is that most people who criticize are not living lives that I would want to emulate. And so that was a rule that I implemented um, coming into my 30s of recognizing when I had so many people weighing in on my personal decisions, my relationships, my uh, business decisions. And I started to really pay attention to their lives and ask, is this person living a life that I want? Is this person living a life that looks happy and healthy? Does this person have something that I want? And if they didn't, why on earth would I take their advice? Because they can only advise me to go in a direction that they themselves are going. And I think that that really changed the way that I take in criticism. And I think that it's so important to surround ourselves with people who want us to win. Um, and I think that on the other side of people who cheer for us to fail, I think that there is also an anxiety of what if people think I'm arrogant? And this was something, particularly when I was building a personal brand, um, I had a lot of people in my life who kind of had that attitude of who does she think she is? You know, who does she think she is talking on a podcast or sharing what books she's reading or posting pictures of her life? Like, she's not a celebrity. Who cares what she does? And I, I think that that is really difficult. And it kept me from posting a lot. It kept me from officially pulling the trigger and becoming a brand because I thought, well, I don't want people to think I'm arrogant. I don't want people to think that I'm too big for my britches. I don't want to be acting like, you know, I'm this huge celebrity with all these followers when really I know that there's only about 15 people that are really engaged with what I'm doing. But I also think that we need to rethink the way that we're viewing that. I think that it's not about fame. It's not about wanting eyeballs to look at you just because you're great. It's about genuinely wanting to share the knowledge and the influence you have with other people because you've learned something the hard way. You've had to be the hero of your own story, and now you are uniquely positioned to be the guide for someone else. And I know that any person that I follow, whether it's that I listen to their podcast or I read their book or um, I read their social posts, I follow them voluntarily. Anyone that I don't want to spend time with, I don't. There's an unfollow button on all social media channels. Makes it super easy. I can close a book if I don't want to read it. I don't have to listen to a podcast I don't want to listen to. No one is tying me down and forcing me to listen to someone or to read what someone has to say. The reason that I engage with the people that I do are because I genuinely think they bring value to my life. I am curious what their life looks like um, because I'm not a self-centered maniac. I think that this idea of, well, who do they think they are? Who cares what they're doing in their life? Honestly, if I was the type of person who only cared about my own life and never looked outside of myself because I didn't care what anyone else was doing in their life, or even if I was the type of person who only cared about what like multi-million follower celebrities were doing, 
what kind of person is that? That's kind of a sad existence. I personally, I care about not just what major celebrities are doing. I care about what my friends are doing. I care about what business leaders are doing who are just one or two steps ahead of me. I care. I want to know. And I know that there are people in my life who are one or two steps behind me who I can help raise up to the level that I'm at. I know that there are friends who care about me and want to know what's going on in my world. And I think that this idea of what if people think I'm arrogant? What if, you know, what's the, this, who does she think she is? Live your life the way that you want to live it. It's really not that big of an anxiety. And when you really think about it, the types of people who are criticizing because you took time to post something on social media or because you wrote a book or because you wanted to launch a business or because you followed a passion, if someone is shitting on that, honestly, is that really the type of person you even want in your life? Because I don't. And so for me, once I started to unpack those thoughts, it became much less of a fear and more of a vetting process of, I think I'm I'm good. If these people don't want to support me and cheerlead me, you know, I will always welcome constructive criticism. There are many, many mentors in my life who I value critique from. As an employee, I always value critique from my bosses, from my superiors. I genuinely want their feedback and I want their opinions because I know that they want me to succeed because if I look good, they look good. So it's a symbiotic relationship. There's trust there. The same thing with my business. If someone is offering critique in my business, it's because they want me to succeed and because they've learned a lesson that I haven't learned. And so they want to share that with me. That's a very healthy type of critique that can help us grow. The person who just criticizes to criticize, you know, that's not helpful. And a lot of times it's because they're telling themselves that they can't do it. And so there's almost this inner resentment of, I don't feel like I can pursue the success. So I need to poo-poo it for someone else who wants to run after the success. Look, we all have our demons that we're dealing with. We all have our childhood traumas and our nonsense. But once we become an adult, it doesn't matter if it's not our fault that we have all this nonsense to deal with. It is our responsibility to deal with it. And I think that part of that tough decision-making as we're pursuing success is to recognize that some people just aren't ready to take that responsibility. And sometimes we just need to leave them behind. Uh, the last fear that I have around success, or at least the big one um, that I'm talking about in the podcast today is what if I find out it's not actually what I want? And this is a big anxiety for me because um, if you have heard my story, you know that for the first 30 years of my life, I was deeply entrenched in a certain worldview, uh, in a certain religion, and just this this very concrete view of success that I invested everything I had into achieving what I thought was success, only to find out that I don't actually think that it's real or healthy and it was miserable and that's not what I wanted. And I think that that became an anxiety for me at that point of, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to run after something and then get it and then find out, oh, this isn't actually what I want. And, you know, I think there's a ton of Hallmark movies about this. The person who thinks that success is having the big fancy career and then they realize that really success is 
hooking up with a small town bakery owner in the middle of a small New England town. Um, I personally think there should be a Hallmark movie that goes the other way where someone who thinks that success is marrying the small town baker and they find out that success is actually being comfortable being single and working their way up and becoming the VP of a company or starting their own corporation. Um, Just saying, I think that that should be a Hallmark movie as well. Every dream is valid. Uh, But I think that there's this anxiety of what if I run after this? What if I put all my energy into something and I find out it's not what I want? I think that this is valid, but I also think that uh, when it comes to success, it's helpful to stop thinking of it in terms of success and failure and instead to think of it as what kind of life do I really want? And this has been really helpful for me. I think as I'm thinking about being a successful person rather than being so locked on this one version of what success could be. I almost step out of myself and kind of avatar myself and start to think if Sarah is this person that I see in my head, if this is how I view successful Sarah's life, would that person do this thing? So that's the first criteria that I use. And so, you know, if I, if my successful Sarah is really healthy and active then I have to ask the question, would healthy, successful Sarah be eating bags of potato chips and watching Netflix all weekend? Probably not. She might enjoy a little bit of it because healthy Sarah, successful Sarah likes balance. The healthy, successful Sarah also is the type of person who goes to the gym every day because she likes it, because she cares about her body, because she wants to be healthy. Um, Healthy Sarah is the type of person who reads books and has conversations with people who inspire her and help her learn. So I think that there's that aspect of stepping out of ourself and viewing it less of being so focused on, on this one piece of success, but more about having a successful life or being a successful person. The other thing that I've learned with this is that I think when we have that frame of reference and I'm really focused on being a successful person, I don't have any regrets. I don't regret any of the successes that I run after because even the directions that I've gone in where I've realized, oh, you know what? I don't actually like this. The lessons that I've learned from that have helped me become successful in other areas. So I think that uh, one example that I have used before, particularly when I talk to clients uh, who have an anxiety around um, what if I hire the wrong person or hire the wrong marketing person or, you know, do the wrong strategy? What if I invest dollars and it doesn't have a good ROI, which is a valid fear as a business owner? And I share the story of a time that I hired a business coach. I had very little money and I really invested everything I had to work with this business coach who I thought had this dream career that I wanted. She was working with entrepreneurs. She was having them at her house and kind of hosting them for these VIP weekends. And I just thought, oh my God, she's amazing. This is exactly what I want to do in my life. I want this. And after I invested that huge chunk of money and I did a VIP weekend, 
it actually really did not serve me in my business at all. I started to realize that she didn't understand my business at all. She didn't understand who I was. We were operating in two completely different places. Um, I think I remember the first conversation, which was about business profitability and what our goals were. And we had to fill out, or I had to fill out this worksheet of what my financial goals were. And I remember the examples were like, what do you want? Do you want a private jet? Do you want to vacation to Paris every year? Do you want to drive a Corvette? Do you want a boat? And I remember thinking, um, I want a modest one-bedroom apartment that I don't have to share with another human. I want to go grocery shopping and be able to afford chips and salsa. I want to be able to get my hair done more than once a year. Like, I genuinely just wanted to survive. And the types of business owners that I wanted to serve were kind of in the same place where I really wanted to be able to help them, whether it was that they were a single mom and they were trying to create a life for them and their kids, or they were someone who recognized a problem and really wanted to solve it. That was where my heart was, whereas this business model was more so um, let's help women become more lucrative hobbyists. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a husband who pays the bills and, you know, you become this lucrative hobbyist who makes a lot of money in your business so that you can take vacations and get boats and whatever. I'm not knocking that, but that was not the direction that I wanted to be in. That was not my motivation. That was not where I was coming from. And it took that very expensive weekend for me to realize, you know what? This isn't actually what I want. This isn't the audience I want to talk to. This isn't who I want to serve in business. This isn't who I want to be in business. And I think that ultimately, as hard as it was to spend that kind of money, I, I think it was somewhere between $1,500, $1,600, which was just a massive, I mean, it might as well have been a million at that point in my life. Um, well, initially, I felt really discouraged of, wow, I just wasted $1,500 to not accomplish what I thought I wanted to accomplish. That is significantly better than if I had kept running in that direction and invested thousands, if not millions of dollars before finding out this isn't what I want. And it ultimately gave me insight that I used in my business to really make it what I wanted. It it filled a lot of the holes in for me. And so I think that when it comes to that anxiety of what if I find out is not actually what I want, okay, great, then learn and move forward and go find something else. I think that this expectation that we're supposed to magically be able to look ahead and know exactly what we want is crazy. None of us have that amount of foresight. I think that, again, when it comes to success, it's really just about stepping away from the hyper-focus of being so locked in on this is what success is, and if I don't get it, I'm a failure, and instead Really thinking, okay, what kind of person do I want to be? What does success look like in my life? These are how I think I'm going to get there. But if I start going in that direction and I realize I don't actually like it, that's okay. I'm just going to shift over to the next place and I'm still going to take everything from that experience. 
to add to my character and make me a successful person. So those are my big fears. Um, I think that, again, with thinking through some of these anxieties, I think a lot of it is less about what success am I achieving and more about what success am I becoming. And I think the more confident that I can be with that, the more time that I can spend really having those conversations with myself and having that radical honesty, um, which can be uncomfortable. I think that that's what brings us peace and that's what makes us care less about what others think and to not be as attached to these specific success ideas that we're running after. And I think that when it comes to being successful and really pursuing it, that inner peace is so valuable. And I think for me, that inner peace really comes from being thoughtful about my decisions I think that it's natural to have a sort of knee-jerk, uh, visceral response when someone tells me that I'm wrong or um, when someone criticizes or when I feel like I ran, put all my effort into this direction and then realized, oh, that's not what I want. Um, and I think that a lot of times, especially when we're criticized by someone else, we take it hard because if we don't really know and they say something with a lot of confidence or a lot of volume, which I think is often confused as confidence, we can wonder if they know something that we don't. But I think when we take the time to be really thoughtful about who we are and the decisions that we're making, we don't really care anymore if someone else doesn't get it or doesn't like it because we've already made peace with it. So what do we do with all of this? I think firstly, we need to recognize and acknowledge the fears that we have. I think that this radical honesty can be super uncomfortable, but it's where we have to start. I think that a lot of times these fears are very subconscious and it's incredibly challenging to have the amount of honesty and vulnerability it takes to admit them out loud. Um, I know for me, I never would have admitted out loud that I was intentionally not putting my best effort into being successful because I was afraid that I was a failure. I know that I would never have admitted out loud that the reason I was holding myself back was because I was afraid that I would achieve it and then realize it's not what I wanted. Um, I think that it's hard to admit these things. I think it's hard to admit that we're not voicing our ideas in the conference room because we're afraid that other people will think we're stupid or we're afraid that we'll lose our job if someone disagrees with us or we're afraid that we'll lose our client or we're afraid that we'll be publicly criticized. I, I think that we need to have the kind of honesty and vulnerability to recognize and acknowledge this is the fear that I have. I think the next step is to talk to that fear. And I really ask, is what we're afraid of actually warranted? Think about the worst case scenario. Are we afraid because we may die? Or are we afraid because someone may laugh at us? And ultimately, someone laughing at us, especially if it's someone who's not even really doing anything great with their lives, that's really not that big of a deal. And going back to this idea of having inner peace, if someone laughs at me because I tried something and it didn't magically work perfectly the first time, why do I even want that person in my life? Why do I even care about their opinion? They kind of sound like a loser. 
So I think that that is the second step is to really talk to the fear and kind of have a more rational, logical conversation with it. And then thirdly, I think we need to change the way we look at success. I think the idea that success comes in one shot is ludicrous. I think we need to focus less on having success and more on being success. And I think that going through these three steps for me has been really helpful in navigating these different fears and anxieties and really taking the time, whether that's actually meditating. Um, I believe in meditation, but that is challenging for me. And so a lot of times I have these conversations literally out loud while I'm on a hiking trail or taking a bubble bath or just kind of having a wine date or a whiskey date by myself. I think it's important that we have these conversations and really spend the time to evaluate what the fears are, where they're coming from, and what we actually want. I think that for so many of us, we have never stopped and given ourselves permission to figure out who we are and what we want because we are just becoming what everyone else tells us we should be or we're who we think we should be. Uh, we run after the things that we think we're supposed to want. We don't give ourselves permission to not want something that we are supposed to. I think that um, it's really important to have those types of honest conversations and to really be candid about what does success look like for me. And if I'm going to invest all this energy, mental, physical, and otherwise, into pursuing success, am I actually running after a target that I want to hit? So I hope that that is helpful, um, just some of the mental rambles that I've gone through as I have really worked to become more consciously confident in, I don't want to say overcoming fear because I think that fear is a natural part of life. Um, I don't necessarily believe in uh, being fearless. I don't believe in faking it till you make it. I think it's more of a face it till you make it. Um, I think that a lot of these strategies are not about getting rid of fear. I think if we're waiting until we are rid of the fear, we'll never do anything because that's never going to happen. But I think that we can implement a lot of these strategies to have the confidence to walk alongside the fear and to have those conversations and be a little bit smarter about how much weight we need to give that fear in our lives. So hope it's helpful. I would love to hear from you if there are other success fears that you deal with that weren't covered on the podcast. I'd love to hear that from you. If you have tips on how you navigate this, would love to share that advice with other listeners. So shoot me an email at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at embracetheish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. 
back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my hey, sleeve. Successfully. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfully. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, but behind need most steps. Had to show the learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through in the past, just look back. Successfulish, you can see how the contrast fires and wins. Use the past and the bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Failure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really fail, it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get out all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see, I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Haven't teaching me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals and a few look toasted. Can't take them back cause you already spoke them. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused. Focus, live between since I set your moment. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. I'm successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve.